Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Did you know that the Bible is actually the divinely inspired, infallible, living Word of God? Are you living your life in a way that reflects this reality? Are you trying to help others walk in this reality? Let's open our Bible now to Titus chapter 3 and see what the divinely inspired Word of God has for us. Well, good morning, and welcome to another teaching. Today is, uh, is President's Day in the United States. It's a day in the United States where we celebrate the, uh, you know, the the President of the United States. Uh, you know, uh, present, and really we're celebrating past presidents, um, you know, who have served our country, you know, in that capacity. As Christians, we do want to pray for our leaders and consistently lift them up. In most countries, it's uh, it's like a prime minister, right? Um, in some countries, it's a president. Um, and in our country, our you know our top leader, our top governmental leader, is the president of the United States. And so, we want to consistently be praying that that our governmental leaders, starting at the top, um, we want to pray that they would know Jesus Christ, not just know him in name but that they would have relationship with him, that they would be saved, that they would come to Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins and the salvation of their soul, and that they would live their lives and, and that they would govern their countries based on the word of God and the son of God. Um, this is the call of every leader in the world is to govern your country by the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and by the Word of God, the living Word of God, the Bible. And that trickles all the way down uh, to every person in every country all around the world. That we want to live our lives based on the Word of God and the Son of God, the Son of God and the Word of God. Everything begins with having a relationship with the Son of God, Jesus Christ, receiving Him as your Lord and Savior, calling out to him and asking Jesus to come into your heart and to be the Lord of your life and save you from your sin and bring you to heaven when you die. And then after you've become a Christian, someone who's trusting and relying on Jesus Christ as their only Lord and Savior, Jesus comes to live in you. Every Christian has the spirit of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit living in them. And we're going to talk about that in today's teaching. And that spirit of Jesus Christ will continue to convict you to live your life based on the word of God, the Bible. The Bible is the living word of God. It is divinely inspired. It's inspired by the triune God, God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy Spirit. The scriptures are not the words of human beings. It's not the word of man. It is the literal word of God. And never has there been a time in the world where the Bible has more come under attack. The scriptures, the 66 books of the Bible, 
are coming under an attack like never before. And as Christians and disciples of Jesus Christ, and particularly as ministers. Now, we all need to do this. If you call yourself a Christian today, you need to speak boldly for the truth of the Son of God and the Word of God. That Jesus Christ is the only way to have relationship with God the Father. Jesus Christ is the only way to have your sins forgiven. Jesus Christ is the only way to go to heaven when you die. And we know that and believe that and are convicted by that because it says it in the living word of God, the divinely inspired living word of God, the Bible. We need to stand on that. We need to proclaim that. Again, we need to zealously proclaim it if we have that pulpit as ministers and pastors. But every single Christian everywhere around the world needs to stand on that truth and use your voice to proclaim the Son of God and the Word of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Um, I'll tell you, it's crazy. In Texas right now, it's, uh, what is it, 11.15 in the morning. It's Monday morning, February 15th. And we have blizzard conditions like I don't remember ever, ever, ever happening. The power is going out has been going out around every 30 minutes for 30 minutes. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's happening intentionally uh, to conserve power, that, that the power is going out in different places at different times, and then coming back on after a period of 30 minutes, 45 minutes, 15 minutes, an hour, to conserve power because of this incredible winter storm that's coming through Texas. It's five degrees outside right now in Texas, Fahrenheit. And in some places with the wind chill, it feels like 20 below Fahrenheit. I don't even know what that calculates to in Celsius for those listening in different parts of the world. Wow. You know, the, the studio where I'm doing this and it's set up, the IT guy, Stephen, who, who does an incredibly good job, as does everyone else who, who, who works in these things at Kingdom Discipleship in different parts, but... He has this whole thing now set up on a really high-end laptop that's, that is plugged in, but he also has this huge microphone set up, and everything is plugged into the laptop so that when the power goes out here in a few minutes, the fully charged laptop will, will take over and so that we can continue this recording without power. And that's just that the foresight there is just amazing. And again, I'm always uh, I'm thankful to everyone who is uh, participating and everyone who works and does all the different jobs at Kingdom Discipleship. So I can just sit here and teach the word of God. I'm very blessed by all of that. And uh, and thank you all. So much goes into these things. I'm sitting here right now. I have a pink cup with some nicely warm coffee. And today. Um, Staron, you know, we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to talk about Titus chapter three. Last time we did verses one through five, and this, uh, we'll finish up today, Lord willing, verses six through 11. And so we're going to go ahead and read it and then we'll get into it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I had a blessed conversation with a brother on the phone. It was just a, uh, I don't know the man personally. Uh, his name is Steron, and uh, we talked about Jesus, and we encourage one another in the Lord. 
and uh, I was I was really blessed by the conversation, and I was just I was calling in to you know a place uh, to make an order, you know, and and uh, and so it was the second time the Lord had put me through uh, with this man, and we uh, we just had uh, wonderful, encouraging conversation. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, Father, we do love you. We bless you. We thank you and we praise you. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the son of God. We thank you for your favor and your mercy and your goodness on our lives. Father, we continue to pray your holy angels around us. Father, we ask you to rebuke the devourer from us. Father, we ask your blessing and safety to be on any, anyone and everyone um, who's been caught up in this, in this tremendously uh, cold and inclement weather, Father. Um, we ask you to be with us. We ask you to keep us safe. And Father, we ask you to use this storm, this massive winter storm, to draw thousands or even millions to you in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And Father, we pray that all the storms in our life would be used to draw us closer to Jesus. Lord Jesus, we love you. We bless you. We thank you and we praise you. Our only God and Master and King and Savior. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So, um, as a matter of fact, the power has just gone out again, but uh, we're still rolling. Again, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. And, uh, and again, thank you for, uh, just, uh, you know, Stephen and the, and the foresight again to, 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 to do these things. Um, the, you know, the, all the recording software, there's so much that goes into something like this, but if he didn't have it set up this way, we would have just lost everything I just said is what was explained to me. Um, and that's the nature of how the system works. So we are in Titus. Chapter 3, we're doing verses 6 through 11. Last time we did 1 through 5. Verse 6. Whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Verse 7. So that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law, because these are unprofitable and useless. Warn a divisive person once, and then warn him a second time. After that, have nothing to do with him. You may be sure that such a man is warped, and sinful, he is self-condemned. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So verse 6. Verse 6 comes off of verse 5. We did an extensive teaching on verse 5 in the last podcast. Verse 5 says, He saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Verse 6, Whom he poured out on us generously, through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So again, the Bible teaches that, that we have an all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present, 
omnipresent God. But the Bible teaches a triune God. So a triune God is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They're all God. They're all united as God. They're all all-knowing as God. They're all all-powerful as God, and they're all everywhere as God. But they are, believe it or not, three separate entities, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that are all separate, but yet they're all one at the same time. It's an understanding and an insight into, the, into who God is very much beyond human comprehension. We will never know the depth of the triune God and all that goes into that. But the scripture clearly lays that out. And here, through Jesus Christ, we have this incredible concept of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Jesus, when we receive him as our Savior, comes inside of us and grants us new life in Jesus Christ. We become born again spiritually. We become spiritually alive through Jesus Christ. And the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, comes and lives in us and is consistently convicting us and renewing our mind as we pursue Jesus and live for him and love for him and give for him and forgive for him, Melanie. It says that the Spirit of God is given us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So, you can only experience life with this triune God through Jesus. Now, this is hard and it's not popular, but... The Bible clearly teaches that you cannot experience any relationship with God in any manner, nor please him in any manner, except through Jesus Christ, except through knowing and loving and receiving the love of Jesus Christ as your only Lord and Savior. And once you've done that, when you've truly asked Jesus to come into your heart and to be the Lord of your life and save you from your sin, and you've put your full faith, uh, trust, and confidence in him alone, Jesus comes to live in you. And the first thing, immediately, you become a child of your heavenly father. God the Father becomes your heavenly father. He's your eternal father. He loves you unconditionally. Coming to Jesus Christ as your savior, having your sins forgiven, and becoming a child of God has nothing to do with anything you do. It's simply coming to him and trusting him and receiving him and laying down our pride and saying, Jesus, we cannot do it ourselves. We cannot save ourselves. There's nothing we can do except to humble ourselves and receive Jesus Christ as our only Lord and Savior. When you do that, God the Father becomes your heavenly Father. God the Son. Jesus becomes your Lord, your Savior, your Master, your King, your your husband. We're called the bride of Christ. The Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit becomes your counselor. Becomes your, um, your comforter. And, and you have relationship with the triune God through Jesus Christ. Without Jesus Christ, unless you will bow your knee, bow your heart to receive Jesus Christ, you cannot know God in any manner or in any way except as your judge. And that's just, that's just a horrible reality. But that's what the Bible teaches. So 
Give your life to Jesus Christ today. God has given his word, his very word. Now, as men and women, we often give our word, and regrettably, sometimes we don't, we don't keep it, which is terribly sinful. We ought to be men and women that give our word and keep our word. But God has never not kept his word. And the Bible is the actual divinely inspired living word of God. And that's where we learn these things. As ministers, it's not our job to just make things up, to say what we feel, to say what we think about, to say what we're led to say. We're, we're told specifically as ministers and pastors to teach and preach the word of God. Not our own ideas, Chris, not our own beliefs, not our own thoughts, but the word of God. I've said this several podcasts ago. We're commanded what to believe in the word of God. It's not a request to believe in Jesus. We're commanded to believe in Jesus. We're commanded what to believe and we're commanded how to live and what to do. And yes, the Bible teaches us all these things. Verse 7. So that, so we're going to see this cause and effect. The first two words of verse 7 are so that. So through Jesus Christ, you've received the Holy Spirit. You're renewed in the Holy Spirit. You're a new creation in Christ. You've been born again spiritually. All of your sins have been washed away in the blood of Jesus Christ. Verse 7. So that having been justified by his grace, to be justified means you're declared not guilty of sin and righteous before God. That's what it means to be justified. So that in Jesus Christ, you're, you're, uh, you're declared not guilty of any sin, past, present, or future, and you're declared righteous before God. The very righteous life of Jesus Christ has been credited to you, and all of your sin, past, present, and future, is credited to Jesus at the cross, Esther. It's an incredible exchange, Jordan. Th that exchange... The exchange of all of your sin, past, present, and future, Peyton, for the perfect righteous life of Jesus Christ, Chloe, is the heart of the Christian gospel. So that, verse 7, having been justified by his grace, so you notice it's by his grace that this has happened. Grace is God's unmerited favor. There's nothing you did to earn this. So that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Your inheritance as an heir is eternal life. Not just when you go to heaven, but right now. If you're in Jesus Christ today, you have eternal life living in you. When I was a, a new Christian, about, I don't know, 23 years ago, I was blessed to have some, uh, the Lord had put me in front of some very wise, <laughs> very much older men of God, you know, who taught me these truths that eternal life is not just a quantity of life, but a quality of life, right, Tommy? It's not just a quantity of life, and that's what we always think of when we say eternal life, but it's also a quality of life in Jesus Christ that we experience now. And the deeper your relationship with him, the more you'll experience that quality of life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And that's our hope. Our hope is that we experience and walk in eternal life now, in this life, and then for all eternity in heaven 
with Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank you, Father. Verse 8. This is a trustworthy saying. This is a trustworthy saying. Every single thing in your Bible is a trustworthy saying. Verse 8. And I want you to stress these things. Okay. Are you stressing the trustworthy message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and of the word of God? Because it is trustworthy. You can and must stress, stress, stress the trustworthy message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that a Savior has come, that Jesus Christ has come, has died on your behalf, has been punished on your behalf, and has been raised from the dead. And if you will simply receive Jesus into your heart as your only Lord and Savior, that you will be saved. Your sins will be forgiven. You will come into relationship with God the Father as your Heavenly Father, and you will go to heaven when you die. This is a trustworthy saying. Every single word in the Bible is trustworthy. We need only give ourselves to it and study it and understand it. And it will be clear to us by the grace and mercy of our God and Father. This is a trustworthy saying, verse 8. And I want you to stress these things. Again, we need to stress the truth of the Word of God and the Son of God. And when we do that, you will, you will experience relationship with Him in ways we didn't know possible. The Word of God will come alive to you in ways that you didn't understand. And don't understand, and I don't understand. Verse 8, this is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things. Paul is telling Titus. Titus, again, is the, is the pastor of this church, the minister of this, of this church in Crete that is just a, uh, a church that has a lot of problems in it. And that really is the case in all of our churches today. Regrettably, we, we, we have problems in church, and they have to be addressed. But the first way to address all the problems we have in all the churches, uh, Jason, is to stress as, as, as vehemently as we can the trustworthy message of the gospel of God and the word of God. We, we know the gospel of God is in the word of God. We learn the gospel and the truth of the gospel in your Bible. That's the first way we're going to bring order to, to the church. The church universal, which is the spiritual church made up of all Christians, and also the church that has all the little different church buildings with different congregations. All of them, everywhere in the entire world, every church, everywhere, needs to, to stress the trustworthy message of the Word of God and of the Son of God. That's what we're here to do. That's what matters. That's the foundation of all things. If the Bible's not the Word of God, then I can believe whatever I want. I can make up whatever I want. I can decide whatever I want. It's an utterly ridiculous thought to think that the Bible is just a human book. Because if the Bible is just a human book, then the, the, the greatest revelation we have is ourselves, is humanity. And that is a, 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 an absurd thought. To think that the greatest insight we could have would be that from other humans is there a more depressing thought than that? But the good news is the Bible makes it clear that it is the living word of God. So we can trust it. We can trust that this is God 
speaking to us. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We're not left to ourselves. The very essence of the love of God is he hasn't left us to ourselves as human beings. Inherently sinful human beings. We come into this world not good but bad, the Bible says. We have inherited a sinful nature. Every person ever born has inherited a sinful nature. Hence, they come into this world with a nature to sin. Their spirit is dead to God because of that sinful nature. And they are in desperate need of a savior. I said in the last podcast, I never had to teach my children to be disobedient. Kristen and Lauren learned it all on their own. I never had to say, be disobedient to daddy. They learned it. I'm saying, I'm telling you before they were a month old. They were selfish creatures. I told you the story last time, my daughter Lauren going to take her sister Kristen's toy at one year old. Even though she had the same toy, she wanted both toys and Kristen to have none. No one had to teach her to do that. That was that sinful nature in her expressing itself even at one year old. Now, both my beautiful daughters have been redeemed in Jesus Christ and they're trying to live for Jesus and y'all need to do so more. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. Once you've become a Christian and received Jesus Christ, we need to have a lifestyle of devoting ourselves to living for Christ and doing good. You're not saved by any of this. None of this helps you to go to heaven, but this needs to be our devotion to doing what is good. Not only not doing wrong, but laboring to do what is good, that we might grow to be more like Jesus. And verse 8 ends by saying, these things are excellent and profitable for everyone. Everyone in the world, once you receive Jesus Christ, once you understand Jesus Christ, there is nothing more profitable and excellent than that. Then, stressing the trustworthy message of the word of God in every manner and every way is excellent and profitable for everyone. Everyone in the world needs to be in the Bible. Every single person in the world alive today needs to be in the Bible reading the Bible, studying the Bible, meditating on the Bible, and obeying the Bible, living the Bible, and we repent when we fall short of not living the Bible. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Verse 9. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these things are unprofitable and useless. Look at that. Look at that Storan, right? It says that avoid foolish controversies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these things are unprofitable and useless. At the end of verse 8, he said these things are excellent and profitable the end of verse 9, unprofitable and useless. Look at that. <laughs> Look at that just massive dichotomy, right? On one side, you have excellent and profitable for everyone. And here, 
You have unprofitable and useless. Now, it's not a coincidence, Dustin, that it says, but avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law. All of this is about the useless things that come out of our mouth. Right, Caleb? Just the useless things that come out of our mouth. There is so much foolishness that comes out of our mouth. Lord Jesus, again, again, I ask you to forgive us and cleanse us of the foolish things we talk about and speak and argue about and have controversies about in the church today. Lord, I ask you to forgive us, Lord, when we can't get along over the most ridiculous things. I'm sorry, Lord. I ask you to forgive us. Forgive me, Lord, where I have so failed in this. Unprofitable and useless. There is really no stronger word than useless, right? We spend so much time, wasted time, talking about things that are unprofitable and useless as Christians. And Paul tells us to avoid them. The word of God here in Titus chapter 3, verse 9 says to avoid them. We often like to spend more time uselessly talking than we do doing what is good. We would rather argue about theology than we would living in Christ and living for Christ. Now, we need to have proper doctrine, proper theology. We need to rightly divide the word of truth. But we need to be living our lives as Christians doing what is good in every manner and in every way of our lives. And we simply repent where we're falling short of that. I'll say again, this has nothing to do with being saved or going to heaven. That's based entirely on what Jesus has done. But after we receive Jesus, we want to live our lives in these things that are excellent and profitable, not unprofitable and useless. As Christians, we have to agree on the essentials of the word of God and on the son of God. There are doctrines and theologies that are absolutely essential and we need to agree on them one and all. Jesus Christ is the only Lord, the only Savior, the only Master, the only King. He's the only way to have your sins forgiven, the only way to go to heaven. All of this has nothing to do with you, but comes from trusting in Christ, relying on Jesus. That is essential. We have to agree that the Bible is the inerrant, infallible, living Word of God. We have to agree on that. And we need to stress these things. But as far as other things, the kind of music we sing, right? The seating arrangements in the, in the church sanctuary, the size of the, the podium in the pulpit, where the stairs are when you walk up to the pulpit, the background behind all the behind where all the worship happens and where the, the pastor stands, the coffee bar. None of these things. They mean they really don't mean anything. There's no reason we should divide or have endless controversies and arguments about ridiculous things. Color of the carpet, the lighting. Okay, we can come together and try to have wisdom on all these things. But but we should give so little focus to that. Our focus needs to be on the Son of God and the Word of God. And we need to keep stressing that. All the other things, you can have your particular preference. But these are the things that we agree on and we have to agree on. But we can get into foolish controversies about things that are so meaningless. They really don't matter at all to the body of Jesus Christ growing up. 
And we can do that not only in church, we do it in our own lives, y'all. We could talk about things and argue about things that really have no profit and are useless. And, and I'm certainly guilty of that. Um, forgive us, Lord Jesus. My wife and I just sometimes just, we have disagreements about things and it's generally my fault that are just, uh, that just have no profit. And I'm sorry, Lord, forgive us when we get distracted. Now, these are people in verse nine. That's a principle that I, of this verse that I just discussed. But now these are people who are coming in and they're trying to be divisive. They're trying to divide, right? These are people that would come in and try to stress that Jesus Christ is not the only way. Because you notice verse 10 says, warn a divisive person once and then warn him a second time. After that, have nothing to do with him. Verse 11, you may be sure that such a man is warped and sinful. He is self-condemned. So this is important. At what point do you just write a person off and have nothing to do with them? Now, you notice it didn't say you can, you can get violent with them, okay? There's no place in the Word of God. If a person comes in and is divisive, and what, what we mean by divisive, it doesn't mean that a person that disagrees with you and me is divisive. Who are we, right? But if a person plainly disagrees and is trying to divide the body of Christ on the essentials of the Word of God, they do need to be warned. If you have someone that's a Christian and they're consistently trying to divide and say that the Bible is not the word of God, they need to be warned. Seriously. If you have a Christian that says, yeah, someone who's claiming to be a Christian and they say that, yeah, Jesus is not the only way to heaven. Jesus himself in John 14, 6 said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one can be saved except through Jesus. When we have divisive people in our Christian community, we do lovingly and seriously explain to them these truths that you've heard on this whole podcast. You stress these things. But if they are continuing to try to lead someone astray, if they are continually trying to teach things that are plainly contrary to the essentials of the word of God, you warn them, you exhort them that this is not the truth. And then Paul says, uh, warn him a second time. If you have to have a second serious conversation, do it. And after that, you got to let him go. You got to tell him, listen, um, you are not welcome here when you are consistently speaking against the word of God and the son of God and the plain truths of the Bible. You have to do that. Now, again, I want to make this clear. This is not someone who has a different opinion than you about different aspects of how the church should be run, about different aspects of how Bible study should be run. Um, you know, we have, a, we have a very large Bible study at our house and different people decided that, that the pizza that I was getting, like the seven pizzas, right? That, 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 that apparently I don't order pizza well, okay? There's not a lot I do well, frankly. But you know what? I thought the pizza was pretty good, but apparently I don't know good pizza. So... I changed the style of crust of the pizza. Now, it was important, and everybody seemed to like the pizza better. So apparently, they were right. If somebody kept complaining about the pizza, you, you don't warn them. Okay, You just let your yes be yes and no, no, and just, just keep letting them go on. And you can say, this is the pizza we're getting. Okay? Now, I relented because the pizza wasn't important to me. 
And it turned out everyone thought the pizza was better. I don't have as much leftover pizza now. Actually, none. So my point is, you just don't simply write off someone that doesn't agree with you. You can't write off someone that, you know, has been disrespectful to you. Um, we need to be loving and forgiving in all these things. We need to be patient in all these things. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. First Corinthians 13, right? The famous verses on love. So in the body of Christ, we can sometimes get, uh, as ministers, we can get caught up in thinking that we are, uh, you know, we are always to be honored and respected and people need to honor our authority. And if they disagree with us, we can get to a place where we just, we don't want to talk to them anymore. Okay. I'll say again, if someone is contrary on the essentials of the word of God, then yes, we need to warn them. But if they have their own opinion and own views on other things, we need to be patient and we need to be loving and we need to continue to try to cooperate as a body of Christ. If someone will not agree to the sound teaching of the scriptures, Paul said, the word of God says, in verse 11, Titus chapter 3, you may be sure that such a, such a man, and that means man or woman, is warped and sinful. He is self-condemned. If you are out there today and you are saying the Bible is not the word of God, you're self-condemned. If you're out there today and you're saying Jesus is not the son of God and the only way to heaven, okay, and you're saying there are countless ways to heaven, you're self-condemned. Because these things are clearly spoken of in the Bible. Now you can have honest and candid questions about these things. Does that make sense? If you have true and sincere questions and concerns, that's a different story. Okay? You're, you're someone who can have hundreds of questions on things and, you know, places in the Bible where things don't make sense. And, you know, it is a hard thing because I want everyone to go to heaven and so do you. So it, it, we're not talking about someone who has sincere questions here and, and who has trouble about some of the scriptures in the Bible. Hey, that's a good thing. We're allowed to ask questions as, as Christians. We're talking about someone who's so bold and so absurd as to speak against the very clear teaching of the word of God and to lead people astray from it. It's one thing to have a sincere question and sincere concerns about some things that, that you see in the Bible. But it's another thing for you to boldly proclaim the opposite of what the Holy Bible, the Holy Scriptures are teaching. Hopefully that makes sense. Well, Father, we do love you, and we do bless you, and we do thank you, and we thank you for the Word of God. We thank you for the Son of God. Father, I ask you to forgive us. Please forgive me again, Father, where I have, uh, you know, Lord, where I just, where I make petty things too important, Lord. Help us to avoid, Father, just foolish arguments, and to be loving and Christ-like, and even be willing to, to give in on non-essential matters. Father, help us to be people who are willing to just to give in to other people's preferences or desires, Lord, and to and, and Lord, to be people who are concerned with the essentials more and more and more and more, and not as concerned with the non-essentials, Father. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love. Lord Jesus, we worship you. 
We thank you, we praise you, and we love you. We thank you, Lord, for living your life for us and then for dying on the cross for us. We thank you that you are alive and risen, and we proclaim you, Jesus, as the Lord of heaven and earth and our only master and God and Savior and King. Holy Spirit, we love you and we bless you. We ask you to go ahead of us today, to lead us, to guide us, to comfort us, and to counsel us in every aspect of our lives. We love you, we bless you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. For more information about our ministry, please visit www.kingdomd.org. If you'd like to email us directly, you can reach us at contact at kingdomd.org. 